This is The Dime. Dive into the cannabis and hemp industry through trends, insights, predictions, and tangents. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. As always, I've got my right-hand man, Kellen Finney, here with me. And this week, we have our first returning guest, the doctor himself, Dr. Matt Moore. Matt, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. My name is Matthew. I work at a company called Benavia Manufacturing, uh, working on the uh, process development of cannabinoids and entheogens and taking them through through clinical trials. So let's we'll let's talk. before we dive into that, like let's let's give the listeners like a little more of just like an understanding, right? Like sure. from like a simple, simple standpoint. So D10, Delta 10 is one of many, many forms of tetrahydrocannabinol. Tetrahydrocannabinol is a very I brought up its name so I could say it in entirety. It is 6AR10AR delta 9 tetrahydrocannabinol negative trans 9. So any one of those that isn't tetrahydrocannabinol can be changed to make a different compound. All right. So let's let's take a couple steps back. Kellen, <laughs> chemistry. Take me through this, right? For someone who doesn't really understand from the chemistry standpoint, DBD, THC, DA, where are we? Can you kind of build that picture like back up for us from a chemistry standpoint i mean a lot of what matthew was talking about was mainly organic chemistry and so again organic chemistry is a challenging subject in college the one on one the long story short he was talking about different molecule structures and how they the structure changes how they interact with the human body so in layman's terms it's a different structure with if it has a different name and that different structure if you think about how organic molecules typically interact with the human body, especially from a psychoactive perspective, typically binding with an enzyme. So you could think about it as a lock and key kind of situation. And so the molecules that have the right shape or the right key shape that fit into certain receptors in your body will cause that psychoactive behavior. And when it comes to D10, there's four different versions of D10 in terms of how the molecule is shaped in three dimensions, right? If you look at it on paper, it all looks the same in a 2D structure. But if you take it in the three, three dimensions, it folds and it moves in certain ways, which create different enantiomers. How often do you hear Delta 10 spoken about? I didn't hear about it at all until maybe two months ago when I... I was on like Kush.com's uh, marketplace, and all of a sudden now you see companies starting to sell D10. I don't know if that was because of in the last two months there was a, I want to say maybe a, a slight crackdown by the Colorado Department of Health on Delta 8 manufacturing, at least in Colorado. That's not the case in in other states. But I think Delta 10 could could have potentially started hitting the marketplace because of some of the regulations associated with Delta 8. It seems like we're moving in like three different speeds, right? We've got like the consumers who are trailing behind everything. We've got the industry who's like out in front trying to do everything they can in order to figure out like where's profitability. And then we've got like the regulators and the legislation kind of like somewhere in between the two different parties trying to figure out like what's safe, what's legal, what's not, and how to kind of enforce these things. So Matt, how does that work? Well, so one, we reconcile that by stopping electing people to legislate things they know nothing about. That would be a good first step, I think. One of the quotes that I saw said that Delta 10 has the potential to appeal to a mass audience that's looking for psychoactive benefits, 
without the potential downsides caused by Delta 9 THC. D10 could be insanely popular because it can offer euphoria and increased focus without paranoia and anxiety. That's 100% speculation. So then one could argue that if D8 gets pushed pretty aggressively to being illegal, naturally, some of these facilities will look to push for D10 products, which become increasingly more popular. Should you provide hesitancy? Should we, should we encourage our listeners to maybe hesitate before buying D10 products? What do you think about that? I absolutely would. The chemistry that they're using is, is similar to buying CBN from an unknown source on the market. There are tons of ways to make it. And there's only about one way that I would want to make a version that I consumed. And the chances of them using that method are pretty low because I know that they're not currently published. So we've got two predictions this time. It's 2023. It's not too far from now. Is Delta 10 wildly popular? Depends on what happens with D8, I guess. And when I, when just to give a framework of reference of what popular means, similar to the type of buzz that D8 has kind of given the space. Probably. I mean, right? Like people seem to really like the novelty of, of, of the new thing. They're like, give me some CBC. CBC is not even psychoactive. And it may have anti-inflammatory properties, but there's only like one brief study that shows that it, that it might. Kellen, your thoughts? No. no, I don't think so. All right. Real prediction time. Mac, what's the next cannabinoid? that is going to be more forward-thinking approach that some haven't really thought about that should be at least on the radar? So one of the things that you'll find is the CBDV and THCV markets. So these are the ones where the active part of the molecule is more or less the same and it has a different length tail. So if you look at the molecule, it has a five-membered tail. Um, you also can get a a three-membered tail and a seven-membered tail, also the one-membered and a four out of a crude extract. Those are the most common ones. The odd numbers are way, way more common. But the C3 is in clinicals as CBDB, and compared to CBD, it's essentially identical. Um, THCV will probably meet the same thing, and they're hesitant to schedule THCV because it has a different mass, even though it has a very, very similar effect. Different mass, different molecular formula, Well, now we move further away from the Analogs Act and they're very hesitant to make any claims about something that wasn't really talked about prior to CBD being a big thing and hemp being a big thing. And now it's all hemp derived that it's CBDV and THCV. So they're they're very hesitant to move against that. Well, the C7 actually tends to be significantly on the order of a thousand times to 5,000 times more potent the C7 molecule. It occurs like, 0.2% 0.2% relative to the, or yeah, 0.2% relative to the C5 in any given THC plant. So not something that you can really isolate your way to, but synthetically can be made very, very easily, like the exact same way that we make our D9 and all of that, our C5. And that's something where if nothing else, you could give one 1,000th the dose and have the same clinical effect. And so I think that the way that we're going is People want a natural one. Bear in mind, that's 114 different molecules that you can call more than that in in the plant or from the plant. So once people get less averse to the idea of synthetic, the term synthetic, then I think that that'll be the way to go. Because again, nature doesn't make things for us. So Kellen, your cannabinoid of choice for the future. 
that will be more popular. And I saw you doing a little research, so I'm expecting a good one. You want I doing a little research? No. Um, I think THCV, potentially. I've heard a lot about THCV. A lot of the anecdotal evidence from individuals who have consumed it say it's not as... And this goes in line with what Matt was saying, that it's not as potent. So it's a lot easier to consume throughout the day. It's harder to overdo it. Exactly. And so I think because of that, if you're looking at like a potential business model, if you have a product that you're selling that they're going to consume more of throughout the entire day, then that equates to making more money, in my opinion, right? Or just like a, if you're doing a one-to-one ratio, I understand there's a lot more variables involved in, in that assumption, right? But because of that effect, I think that it could potentially be a lot more popular when smoking lounges get mixed with bars. You have people consuming alcohol and the spins are a real thing. We all went to, well, a lot of us went to college and understand how that whole thing affects a lot of individuals, right? Are you, are you pointing to one of us? Smoke. I, I was not pointing to any But didn't go to college? We all went to college. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.